from Birdie. This is the podcast about the biggest beauty and wellness trends. Where they originate, who made them popular, and why we all jumped on board. Birdie presents Tell Me More. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> I'm Hallie Gould, Senior Editorial Director at Birdie. I'm Dr. Jessica Shepard, board-certified OBGYN and Chief Medical Officer for Very Well Health. Cosmetic surgery has been on a boom since 2020, influenced by the freedom or pressures of remote work and staring at yourself on Zoom calls. Yes, that's right. Surgical procedures increased by 54% in 2021 alone. Non-surgical procedures, like injections, jumped 44%. But this isn't just a modern phenomenon. Humans have been altering our faces since as early as 800 BC. That's incredible. Today's guest can tell us about the modern trends around plastic surgery. Dr. Dara Leota is a facial plastic and reconstructive surgeon based in New York City. Her work is known for beautiful, natural results that combine surgical precision and artistry. Hi, Dr. Dara Leota. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So obviously we know each other. Dr. Leota does my <laughs> Botox, so she knows my face intimately. And obviously I can vouch that she's amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you were the first person to mention to me like the aspect of light on the face, which I think is oh my God. Yeah. so interesting. And something that you said that I think really made me trust you was like, I want to make you just look how you always look, except in good light. Totally. That's like such a cool distinction to make when it comes to like natural tweaks, you know? Totally. And that's always my goal when I do anything on the face. And by the way, when people started hating their noses on Zoom, it's because of the way the light is hitting you. And when you put on contour makeup, right, you're trying to draw the way that you would like light to hit you in the most flattering way on your current face. So mm -hmm. to me, good plastic surgery should make the light hit you in the most flattering way all the time. Right. And that's just the goal. Like, boring. Boring is good in plasty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, as a physician myself, I love having a colleague on the podcast. And when we talk about plastic surgery, you know, from a global perspective, we have seen a boom in plastic surgery since 2020. And life shifted to working remotely, and we're staring at ourselves on video calls all day. And surgical procedures, as we said, have increased significantly by 54%, and non-surgical procedures even were up by 44%. Now, have you seen an increase in people exploring maybe more of the surgical aspect? And for a cosmetic perspective, what exactly does that look like? Like, which procedures would you say are kind of like tipping the charts? Yes. So I definitely think that that's true. And I think myself and my colleagues all across the board are sort of anecdotally reporting the same sort of observations with an increase in particularly surgical procedures. The remote work environment really let patients make it easy to have a recovery time. You don't really have to take off time work you can shut your camera, you know, and recover at home and keep working. Wow, I and hadn't even thought about that. It does make it so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of what I'm seeing, it's really all across the board. I will say in general, I am seeing a shift to younger patients. I'm seeing patients younger 
concerned about other things as well, like eyes, chins, jawlines, necks, in a way that is a little bit more than I've seen in the past. For me, you know, seeing women every day in the office, one, there's a societal issue of what is body pleasing or, you know, how do people feel about their bodies has changed dramatically. One, I think that people are much more open to, you know, saying, I don't like this and I would like to change it and here's how I'm going to do it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be to the confines of just that person in their household who knows about what's going on, which I think is, you know, very positive. And then again, you also have the other side where you were saying a younger generation, does that necessarily have a bad reflection on society because younger people are wanting to do more of those procedures? So my focus is really face, but I see the same thing in face. Younger patients, I think, are more likely to come now than 10 years ago for also a number of reasons, right? So one is that in general, plastic surgery and plastic surgery procedures have less of a stigma than they used to, and it's more accepted. I think social media also encourages openness about plastic surgery, which is, I guess, good in a sense. However, I also think that it makes it look really easy. And that's something I struggle with daily in the office. Particularly with rhinoplasty, I have some patients who come and they just want a little tiny tweak to their nose. And they saw on TikTok that it was really easy and this person looks great. And, you know, in a five minute video, they go from pre-op to, you know, a year out at some major event. And I think that it's important to communicate that no matter how easy it looks and how you may be happy you did it. It's a journey and it's not so simple. It's still a surgery. There are still risks. And I think that's sort of the negative part of it. And it's interesting too that you bring that up because the other thing I'm seeing a ton of is young people coming in for revision rhinoplasty. And now, you know, we're two years out from the pandemic and that initial return to elective surgery, zoom boom, right? Right. And so now we're seeing the year to year results of the people who booked in a hurry because of that. And I think that part of it is unrealistic expectations to begin with. And part of it is just so many surgeons doing so very many surgeries. And now we're seeing sort of the bad side of that. You know, I see patients who say like, I just wish I never did it. I want to go back. And that's not something you can do in surgery. And so I think it's positive in the sense that if there's something that really bothers you about yourself, right, and it's holding you back from being who you want to be or interacting how you want to be or whatever it is, it's great that that's destigmatized. But it's also really important that us as surgeons and physicians educate patients to understand this is a real surgery. It's a real procedure. No matter how small you want the result to be, the surgery is still surgery. We have to do our best to counsel patients when we're afraid that the risks outweigh the benefits. Right. Also in terms of trends for the face, like you you mentioned a lot of people are coming in for 
nose jobs. And do you feel like everybody who's coming in is asking for the same thing because that's a trend? Like, I feel like a lot of times on TikTok, I feel like there's one thing that people will be talking about over and over. Oh, you could change this one thing, this one thing. Yeah. Like, are there trends that are happening with changing your nose? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to explain this in a very sort of non-judgmental way. And then, um, you know, we'll talk about the risks and the benefits of that. There is a look to it and it tends to be what we would consider more of a slope to the nose. And again, I never judge because the patient is the one wearing the nose, right? Doesn't matter what I like. It's your face. That's what I always tell people. But really the look is that lower bridge, like kind of elevated tip that's a bit pointy, right? And so if you are looking for that look, that is the trend. So patients will go and have surgery and show these TikToks that make it look super easy, you know? And so patients will come in and say like, oh, I don't want that. Or that's kind of what I want. Totally. Some people call it a Barbie nose, by the way. Oh, well, you know, Barbie core. (laughs) We've been talking about (laughs) all the cores. (laughs) Yes. But I find that fascinating that, and again, I'm definitely not doing facial surgery, but there are a lot of trends. Social media really has kind of turned the radar on what people think is easy, even if it's a small procedure. Yeah. It still requires time. And and what I really want to speak to as well is no matter how small the surgery or the procedure, there's always an emotional aspect to it as well. Oh my God, totally. Whether it's through the recovery phase or underestimating maybe the, the pain or discomfort that comes with that, or having to go through and explain to people what you're having done and then the expectations that come with that. So I actually spend a lot of time with patients before I do their surgeries on the emotional aspect of what comes with having surgery. I think that that is a great point, Dr. Shepard. And actually the last page of my information book to patients that I give them when they come for consultation has to do with this emotional roller coaster you're going to have after surgery. Like it is going to happen. Plastic surgery and cosmetic surgery is very different than getting your appendix out because you have appendicitis. You have to do an appendectomy when you have appendicitis. There is no choice. So whatever the recovery is or how sick and in pain you are after, you didn't have a choice. You had to do it. With plastic surgery and cosmetic surgery, that's really different because it's somebody who has saved money they've taken vacation days and they've made this decision to have a surgery to make themselves look and feel better. And initially after surgery, you will look worse. That's what I tell people. (laughs) You know, so when you get your casts and your stitches off, you're going to not look good and you're not going to love your nose. And you will have a period from that kind of week after to two weeks to three weeks where you're wondering if it was a good idea. And you have to really be prepared for that and have the emotional preparation and strength and support around you to make it through that. Because in the end, of course, you'll be happy, but it takes a while to get there um, in a way that is pretty unique. Yeah. And also like, you know, if you're changing anything but your face, you can wear clothes or, you know, change your outfit. And with your face, it's it's there and it will show regardless. So I think people have like so much more of an attachment to it in that way and more emotion around it. 
So some celebrities and influencers have been openly sharing the procedures they've had done. Obviously not all of them. (laughs) But, you know, Cindy Crawford and Vanessa Williams are open about their Botox. Chrissy Teigen and Cardi B have been candid about plastic surgeries. What do you think being transparent or, you know, the opposite, many celebrities not being transparent means for the industry? And how does that change kind of the person who's coming to you and getting things done? I think it's very helpful when celebrities are candid about plastic surgery procedures. Patients will bring me pictures a lot of celebrities and the pictures they're bringing me are, you know, heavy contour makeup, are airbrushed. They're not seeing the person in person and they're asking to look like that. Or they're saying, this is really the look I want to achieve. And the person is in a red carpet gala outfit, right? Also, yeah, it's an edited photo. That's not actually the shape of their face, you know? Totally. So that's hard enough, let alone somebody who is in full makeup, airbrushed in a Vogue spread, who has had plastic surgery and tells the world that they haven't. So every little bit that People who are celebrities and forward-facing can be honest about what it takes to get them (laughs) to where they are is helpful for us normal folk. (laughs) You know, understanding like, yeah, this person had surgery and they have a team working on them is very helpful to the sort of emotional well-being of patients in general. When it's obvious a celebrity had a procedure and they're not honest about it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or they deny it. <laughs> yeah. For instance, I can tell if you had a nose job. It is quite intriguing. They don't actually have to reveal or tell. But I think it is very odd to me that they just wouldn't share because I feel like so many more people do it and, and that we're open to it as a society on what you've had done. I totally agree. I think like there will always be a little bit of a stigma and that's super unfortunate. I think it's completely useless to judge people for what they choose to do to their faces or bodies. But where I think the damaging part comes in is when you're like, well, I just work out. <laughs> and you're like, no, or I what? don't work out. And yeah. you're like, that's not true. <laughs> you're like, your whole face and body didn't change because you work out. <laughs> I agree with you, Dr. Shepard, that nobody owes us any sort of explanation. If you choose to not admit a very obvious procedure, then I think that's where that's where it gets dicey because it just makes people think that those types of results are natural and they're not. More from Dr. Dara Liotta after this quick break. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Do you think that there is more or less pressure now about 
the way that we look. What have you seen kind of with people coming in? Like we've been talking a lot about trends on these podcasts and it's sort of been like, a lot of people are like, do you? Like you can wear this or you can not wear that. Or um, at the end of the day, like it's about how you feel and and you can choose if you want to wear this trend or not, or if you want to do this trend or not. Like, do you feel like all of this choice and some of the transparency that's happened from social media and the internet is helpful or do you feel like we're worse off than ever? <laughs> I, I really love that question. It's kind of like, it's reverse psychology sometimes. Yeah. Because we're like, do you and do how you feel. But then <laughs> literally social media, you know, TikTok will be like, but I think you should look like this. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that really, you know, plays a, a big part in our psyche and how we feel about ourselves or even challenging the confidence that we have to either say, yeah, that might be a trend, but I'm confident enough and I don't necessarily need it versus now I feel like I have to get my face done like that because it's the trend. It's weird. Yeah, definitely social media shows us what we should think the ideal face looks like and then tells us we can either be that or we can be something else. But it still defines like something for us, right? <laughs> and it says like, okay, you can go against this grain, but that concept of being yourself and doing your own thing has something that is the implied target, right? We used to call that the Instagram face when Instagram first started. And you can look like the Instagram face or you can be yourself. And that's okay <laughs> right. <laughs> to go against the grain. So that kind of what I was talking about where they where all of these like swoopy kind of noses are coming up. Like you can be that or you can be your own thing. But it does imply one thing is desirable and the other is going against that grain. So it is interesting. And I think part of our job being surgeons who actually care about our patients is trying to help them navigate that emotional feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a moving target. You know, 10 years ago, that Instagram face is different than what, you know, beauty ideal that a filter makes you now. And it's difficult. Like, that's part of the emotional maturity and the emotional preparation for surgery. I do think that social media also makes us much more critical of ourselves and makes us search for way more perfection than we used to and certainly than is often attainable. Yep. And so the downside of that is that you're never going to look like you look with a filter. Like that's not going to happen. <laughs> it is not realistic. And so, yes, we talk, I talk a lot about the way that light hits you and after rhinoplasty, hit you. and yes, social media has made us more aware of those things. So it's very much easier for me to talk to a patient about the specifics of that, but it's still never going to be like a filter. And I think that concept of having your camera attached to your hand and living in an Instagram picture or a TikTok video has made patients more critical of themselves and has made surgeons, it's put a lot more pressure on us, right? So right. in the past, <laughs> you had a bump on your nose, right? And you had a rhinoplasty and the bump was gone and that was great and you were so very happy. Now, because everybody is so much more aware and we're more aware as surgeons, you know, every micromillimeter of asymmetry around the nostril from the underview is something we think about constantly. And so the target and the definition of success for rhinoplasty has gotten so much higher than it used to be. 
And that's, again, for good and bad, right? Of course, everybody should be striving for more perfect results, but surgery is not perfection. You know, it's never going to be perfect. And so that's something that I think patients struggle with. And that's part of the reason that there's such an uptick in revision rhinoplasty in young people. I think also there's the risk portion of surgery, which obviously from a physician perspective or even the patient perspective, no one really wants. Um, What would you say are the top two or three uh, risks or complications that you go over with your patients when they come to you for surgical procedures? Yeah, so um, I think the risks are a little different depending on the surgical procedure. Obviously, every surgical procedure has a risk of bleeding and infection. And those are the two sort of serious complications that surgeons consider. What is a serious complication for a patient when you're talking about cosmetic procedures really boils down to not what you thought it was going to be, unsatisfactory results for whatever reason it is. And I spend a very long time getting on the same page with patients in terms of what their goals are and what they would define as a successful surgery pre-op. Because I think that's the key to making a decision that you're happy with. It's my job to help communicate what is possible given their current anatomy, what is the most likely expectation, and sort of what's the worst case scenario. And I think that once you understand that, it's a lot easier for patients to do their own risk-benefit analysis. You know, I can be honest about that. Like if someone said to me, I love every single thing about my nose, except I want the nostril to be absolutely perfectly symmetric. So I'm going to do this big surgery for this micromillimeter change. Like that's not worth it because I say this a lot with surgery, but surgery is not like hanging a picture. It's not like you hang up the picture and you put your level on and the little bubbles in the middle and you're done. Perfect. In surgery, I have control over the bone and cartilage. I can put that level on and I can level the picture But after, you have to heal. And I have zero control over the healing. All I can do is make my best guess as to what to do in surgery that will anticipate how you will heal and get you to where you're going to get. So if we don't start off on the same page, like there's no hope we're going to end up in the same place after. So obviously, um, choosing surgery is a really personal decision. We've talked about that a lot. Um, What are some questions that our listeners can reflect on to help them make a decision about plastic surgery? So good questions are, you know, I start every consult by asking patients, you know, tell me what you're thinking about your nose, your face, your eyes, like what's on your mind about this? And the good answers are things where people can be pretty specific about what bothers them. and be able to really feel that if that were better, not perfect, they would feel better and be happier with that result. So the most classic example, right, is, oh, I I like the way I look, but on the side, I hate this bump. Oh my God, set up for success. Yeah. <laughs> you can be pretty specific, right, about this is the thing that bothers me. And if, if it were better, I would feel better. Bad answers are, I hate looking at myself. Okay. Yeah. 
you know, there. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> we're looking. Ah. <laughs> right? I can't stand looking at myself in the mirror. That's going to be a hard thing to boil down into goals, right? And it's never just one thing. It's multiple totally. things. Yeah. And then that I also attribute to inward. Like what's going on with our inward acceptance of ourselves, right. our ideal of beauty individually. And then what are some other things? Because I have seen this over and over again, whether they're a celebrity or not, people who finally get that one or multiple things done, you know, as far as cosmetic surgery, and then they're still unhappy. I think that is probably the worst thing is you feel that you attacked or addressed the thing that you felt was going to make you feel better. And ultimately, it didn't. And so I can only imagine the, the type of conversations that you have in order to have someone really peel away the layers of why are you getting this done? Or, mm-hmm. you know, from their questioning, trying to determine, is this really going to aid in the outcome that they're looking for? And I, I can... I, I definitely feel that you probably have some moments where it becomes more of a therapy session sometimes than actually the procedure that's going to get done. You have no idea, Dr. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think that that's good. Like, that's my goal is to sort of suss out what are we doing? What exactly is our goal? And why are we doing it? And are we doing the right thing? Do the benefits far outweigh the risks? And that's certainly part of it. You know, you're right. The best candidate for plastic surgery, in my view, is somebody who can pinpoint a physical thing that bothers them when they look at it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Because that's um, the thing that you're trained to work on, you know? Correct. I, everything else is not an appointment for you. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and I don't get me wrong. I, I love my best texts after are, oh, look at this picture. I never would have let somebody see the side of my face. Like now mm-hmm. I'm so happy. And that's the goal. I do try and make sure that people are doing the specific procedure that's right to address the physical thing that's making them feel self-conscious and that they are doing it because they want to do it, not because somebody else has told them they should do it or someone else feels like they'll feel better if they do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I say no all day long to lots of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I say, what do I have to offer patients? I do a lot of noses. I do between five and 15 every single week. I'm technically good at them and I give a shit or I Mm -hmm. care. It makes a difference. And as one of your patients, it comes through. It definitely does. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have no interest in doing a surgery on somebody where that's not going to help them, right? Or I can't produce the result they're looking for. Like that only makes me feel like I want to throw up. (laughs) Yeah. But I love that you were able to allow people to see not only the the beauty and the benefit of plastic surgery, but again, some of the other sides, which are not so glamorous, but ultimately leading to our inward beauty, which is confidence. But if the foundation of, of what you were starting with is really like lacking, then you may not get that result that you were looking for. And I think that's important for physicians and clinicians that we really just are trying to help people, but we really want to make sure we're bringing them down a path that's going to serve them the best way at the end and and allow them to see themselves for really who they are and, and seeing their beauty. 
So at the end of every episode, we have some rapid fire questions. We oh, call God. them. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. They're they're easy. They're easy. No quizzing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So three words, just three words that inspire your approach to beauty right now. I would say natural, airbrushed, and confident. Love it. I like that. What's a trend that you would want to bring back? You know, I was always kind of a fan of like the platforms, but they're coming back. I guess, can I say that? Mm -hmm. And the last question is, what is a part of your beauty or wellness routine that you do just for you? I am a big fan of weightlifting. (laughs) Me too. I love weightlifting. I love working out super hard and weightlifting because I think it's the only time that my brain can truly shut off. And I have to just focus with that one little thing (laughs) and push for one more minute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Thank you so much. We loved having you on and just really exploring like kind of like the clinical yet side of beauty, like how it's done, uh, what people want and sharing those tidbits with us was so helpful today. And I hope that people really take the information that you shared that if they do choose to do plastic surgery, that they do it in a way that is like complete and they're going with good intentions and that they find someone that does a really good job. Definitely. And I think, yeah, transparency is everything. It's really helpful, I think, for listeners to hear, A, what type of conversations you'll be having kind of once you get into the office and to understand that like, if it doesn't feel like the person cares, then try and find someone who does. There are lots of us who care. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so That's much. That's all for this Dr. episode Thank of Birdie you. Presents Tell Me More. I'm Dr. Jessica Shepard. I'm Hallie Gould. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. We'd love your feedback. So please rate this podcast and leave us a review. You can also find us online at birdie.com slash podcast. And make sure to come back next Thursday for our newest episode. Birdie Presents Tell Me More is produced by Birdie with Very Well Health in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team at Dot Dash Meredith.